Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken with you here. Travis Crins not here. He is on vacation in Wichita. So he will join us next week. We were off last week. We were on vacation last week. I was on vacation. Uh, we had a podcast the week before because starts or starts sports are starting to start up again, and they are in full sw- swing. You know, baseball has gone pun intended, I guess, for baseball. Baseball's begun their season. The NBA and the NHL will start up again here this week. We'll have, or if you're listening to this next week, was there, there's a possibility that you are. Um, by this week, I mean the week of 8-3. Uh, then you'll know that the NBA and the NHL have already started. Training camps have opened up in uh, for the NFL. Uh, they've had players report. A lot of positive COVID tests. Not a lot, but a decent number. And there are a number of opt-outs, which we will get to here. But uh, like I said, the NBA starting up this uh, on Thursday, July 30th. NHL starting on Saturday and Sunday with their qualifying rounds. We will talk extensive hockey with Marcus Traxler from the Mitchell Daily Republic and our resident hockey expert here uh, later on in the podcast. But it'll be a shorter podcast here for you uh, this week. We are going to probably do like an every other week thing here through August. We'll see if there's a college football season. Um, We'll try and get Charlie on next week to talk about what's going on uh, in a lot of the major conferences. There are some smaller conferences that have opted out, like the MAC uh, for fall sports and uh, the MEAC, to name a few. I think the SWAC as well um, is there. So... The Summit League has delayed the start of fall sports, um, but that doesn't really pertain to Jackrabbit football, which is great, um, at least so far. Maybe they could get Notre Dame on the schedule. Either way, there there will be plenty of news with that coming next week. Uh, As I mentioned, the NBA is, so look forward to a podcast next week and then probably in every other thing here kind of going forward. Um, Or maybe we'll do it every week. You never know. About that time, I mean, we didn't do a podcast for three or four months, right? I guess since the beginning of May when we recapped the NFL draft. Anywho, uh, so the NBA is starting up. They, of course, are doing their bubble in Orlando, and I was a little skeptical at first, but they have been uh, widely praised for how they've conducted the 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 bubble apart from Lou Williams being excused to go uh, to a funeral and then ending up getting wings from a strip joint uh, I, sh- I should say a strip club not a strip joint it, it, well is it the same thing I don't know he, he went to a strip club he didn't go to Hooters for the wings that's we that we know um, is magic city which is weird because there's a magic kingdom at Disney World of course in Orlando but the NBA has done a very good job so far uh, few positive tests but overall uh things seem to be going well they're doing their abbreviated schedule here beginning on thursday july 30th there are you know a number of teams involved what 24 of them uh they will all do eight games and then the playoffs will begin so there is that to look forward to and you know we'll we'll see how it goes uh, we'll see what the conditioning's like. We'll see if there are any 
extensive injuries. We've already know about uh, Rajon Rondo being out six to eight weeks for the Lakers, breaking his finger, and the Lakers can't replace him on the roster. The Clippers have some issues, too. Uh, the Rockets, to a certain extent. Uh, really, the race is going to be uh, for the final spot, the eighth seed in the Western Conference. There could be some move, moving and shaking uh, seeds two through six, but uh, it's the eight seed right now held by Memphis. Portland and New Orleans, as well as Sacramento, are just three and a half games back. San Antonio is four, and the Suns got involved too. They are six back. Highly unlikely that the Suns would even come close to this, though. Uh, in the East, you have, I mean, Washington's there, but uh, good luck. Uh, five and a half games back of the Orlando. It's pretty much set in the East. Uh, Indiana and Philadelphia could flip-flop in the 5-6 position. Miami's two games ahead of them at for the four seed. Maybe they can catch Toronto, uh, Boston for the three. Boston could catch Toronto for the two seed. Toronto is uh, three games up on Boston, but it seems very unrealistic that that would actually happen. So we'll see what the NBA, um, how the NBA goes. It, again, has been widely praised for how they've put together this bubble and the lack of testing which we will get to in a moment and how that's affecting the Major League Baseball season, which is great that that started up. Um, hockey should be getting more praise for what they've done, not only through getting a, a new CBA, a new collective bargaining agreement done, but just for how they've kind of put together two hub cities north of the border in Canada because America can't get their shit together when it comes to uh, COVID-19 and getting the coronavirus down to a far manageable level and flattening the curve like Canada has. Uh, so hockey deserves a lot of praise in that regard. Uh, the big story, though, is regarding the Miami Marlins. And normally the Marlins, at least as of late, have just been a punchline because their team has been so terrible and Derek Jeter's trading assets off like uh, like there's no tomorrow and really receiving very little, what is perceived to be very little back in return. I mean, this or they're building the team, I guess, but... That's been the Marlins' model since they became a franchise, and yet somehow they have two World Series uh, championships. Regardless, they had four players test positive for the coronavirus. I think this was prior to Sunday's game against the Philadelphia Phillies, Saturday night, and they elected to play on Sunday. And wouldn't you know it, more positive tests came out. I believe there was... 13 players and coaches that tested positive. So the Marlins stayed in Philadelphia and are still there uh, right now as of the recording of this podcast. Uh, four more cases came up on Monday. So 17 at least positive cases for, within the Marlins organization. Uh, their games against the Baltimore Orioles got canceled. This week, their series against uh, all games for the Marlins have been postponed through Sunday. And what happens after that remains to be seen. The Nationals, the Washington Nationals, who were supposed to play the Marlins this weekend, voted. And they said, uh, hell no, which is absolutely the, the right thing to do. You you just don't want to, to do it at this time. Uh, the Blue Jays and Phillies are playing this weekend. The, the, the Phillies had their two-game series postponed with the Yankees. 
this week that they it should be made up at another time. Major League Baseball is getting uh, readjusting the schedule virtually on the fly, uh, so we'll find out more about what is going on. Uh, but outside of the Marlins, positive tests. No other players have tested positive for the coronavirus. No other team has had a positive test. Certainly that could change, especially with regards to the Philadelphia Phillies, because we know that the symptoms don't always show for a good you know, week to 10 days. So we'll see what happens with the Phillies. And it, it could be a, a, a domino effect for Major League Baseball, uh, with multiple teams having mul- multiple guys with coronavirus symptoms, with COVID symptoms, and it will require games to be suspended. The The fact that... Would we love to see a 60-game schedule happen? Absolutely. It is a sprint this year. It is not a marathon. Uh, the expansion of six, to 16 playoff teams seems a little ridiculous, but if the money can be had in October, you do it. Um, but that seems a little... It seems even hollower now in light of the fact that you might not have every team play 60 games. Games might have to be canceled and not made up due to the coronavirus. Baseball is not being played in a bubble. Teams are traveling to their respective cities. Now, it should be noted that the schedules are far easier to work with as the NL Central is playing the AL Central and the teams within their, their division, of course. The AL West is playing the NL West. The AL East playing the NL East. Uh, so the, the amount of travel that's involved for most teams outside of Seattle and Houston and Texas um, is minimal this year compared to what they would have to do. I mean, Eastern teams are fairly packed in and close to one another. Central, you have two teams in Chicago, Milwaukee, Minnesota. You have Kansas City and St. Louis. So it's the furthest team in the Central uh, division is Pittsburgh. And that's very close to Cleveland, and of course you got Detroit in there. So it's easy to do. The, the travel is easy, and so that's going to make the schedule rearrangements all easier for Major League Baseball. But if, the, if you have another team outside of the Marlins keep racking up the positive COVID tests, that's going to severely strain and test your ability to do a season. And even more so out if you're not in a bubble. Hockey's got a bubble. Basketball's got a bubble. The NFL is not going to do a bubble. College football is not going to do a bubble. Um, multiple uh, conferences, as I mentioned, have either canceled or postponed fall sports. Uh, our focus won't be on college football this week. We'll, we could talk about that next week because not much has happened um, since, as at least as of the recording of this podcast. The, the big story is with the Marlins and Major League Baseball. The fact that you have all this COVID, you know, guidelines and, you know, binders full of information and and planning and stuff and you didn't plan for an outbreak for a team and subsequently the cancellation of games seems very short-sighted by MLB commissioner Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball's part in general. Uh NFL training camps are opening up. You have a 
lot of players who, uh, not, not a lot, but number of players that are testing positive, including uh, for the Vikings uh, rookie wide receiver, first round pick, Justin Jefferson. He is tested positive. And the interesting thing on the NFL side is that there are a number of players who are opting out. The Patriots have had six players opt out thus far, including safeties Patrick Chung, linebacker, uh, uh, oh, I've, I've lost the name. I'll get that here in a, in a second. But uh, Marcus Cannon, an offensive tackle, has opted out. They, I mean, six Patriots have opted out. Michael Pierce, a defensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, who was supposed to fill in for Linval Joseph, who left to go play for the Chargers. He was supposed to be a big piece to that defense this year. He has chosen to opt out due to health concerns. I think he has uh, upper respiratory. He has something. And you know what? No one should fault any player who chooses to opt out of the season this year, especially on the football side. Because of the amount of contact that they are going to endure, just I mean, it's football is a very violent sport. There's a lot of contact in there. They aren't going to be in a bubble. The NFL is is, is not doing that. So it's it it is what it is. Uh, some players aren't opting out who've had pre-existing health conditions. James Conner, the the Pittsburgh Steelers running back, is choosing not to. But here is a list of some of the players, I won't read the entire list to you, and it's going to change constantly because I think they go through August 3rd in terms of the players who are opting out. But as of right now, these are the the, the players who have opted out. If I get that back here. And I seem to have misplaced the list. Uh, as I mentioned, though, Patrick Chung is one of them for the, the Patriots. Michael Pierce, another. There's a, a Cowboys cornerback has chosen to opt out. Uh, and the list will continue to grow. There will be notable names on there. And they will do it either because of their you know, family situation, understandable, pre-existing health condition, uh, Football is a very taxing sport, so you don't want to uh, have anyone get hurt further and damage themselves permanently or perhaps even die if they catch the coronavirus. I mean, it. this is a, a trying time for all of us, and we want sports back, and we want everyone to be healthy and our teams to be at full strength. But you can't be upset with anyone who has chosen not to, um, who's choosing not to play this year because they're concerned about their health and well-being, not just of them but of their families. COVID's not, uh, or, you know, COVID nineteen is not something to um, to laugh at. It's a very serious matter. Uh, so. With that being said, and I know I had the list here, and it is now gone, so I apologize for that. Um, I did have it, and 
for whatever reason it's gone we'll try and find that here before we are done um but uh and there will be like i said there will be plenty of more notable names uh the nfl is saying who tests positive for the coronavirus uh the nhl is not they are doing uh just unfit to play you might say that's kind of a cop-out because you can do that for you know upper body or lower body injuries and hockey's always vague about their injuries but this year with coronavirus to, to protect the players health and that's what they wanted and that's well within their they are well within their right to do so um so they are choosing not to do that the nba i believe has announced uh players who test positive i'm not sure about baseball we've heard of some of the marlins who have tested positive but i don't believe we know all of them so whether or not you know there's a, a leak thing or or whatnot um it, it is what it is um each team is or each league is handling it differently and we will see what happens there going forward. The baseball season has started. It started last week. And uh, the Bomba squad for the Minnesota Twins uh, picked up right where they left off outside of that playoff loss to the Yankees, which they always lose to the Yankees. So it's not a surprise. Nelson Cruz was the player of the week. He had three home runs, 10 RBI, as the Twins took two out of three games from the White Sox over the weekend, they started with a, uh, a playoff or a, with a series win against the Cardinals. So they're three and uh, this week. So they're three and one. They look very good. They, I believe, are the team to beat in the AL Central. They will make the playoffs, especially with it expanding to sixteen teams. I thought they would have made the playoffs regardless. So. It's really not all that much of a surprise to this point. But they are a surprise. The Marlins were technically a kind of a surprise because they were 2-1. and one. They, they took two or three games from Philadelphia in Philadelphia. That's pretty impressive. Uh, the Padres out to a 4-1 and one start. Uh, on the flip side... The Nationals, 1-4. Not great, Bob. Not great. The Red Sox are 1-4. Kind of to be expected, but still, it's the Red Sox who would have thought they would have done something by now. The Rays are playing really good. Cleveland's uh, doing well. Seattle and Texas, not that's not a huge surprise. Um, very early. I mean, this is the infant stages, but it's still this year being the sprint, not the marathon. You hope to, that we'll see some very good baseball being played here uh, throughout the season. But if you're a Minnesota Twins fan, you have to like what you've seen so far by the by the Twins. And hopefully, hopefully, it continues. Um, yeah, so basketball starting, hockey starting. We will get into far more hockey talk with Marcus Traxler here coming up in just a uh, a minute or two. Any, I'm trying to think of any perhaps final thoughts on this Marlins situation. I mean, it, it is scary. And it stinks. There's no other 
way around it. It it stinks that they have it. It stinks that Major League Baseball is going through this right now. That's what the fear always, I think, has been with athletes and, and starting the sports season up again. We've missed sports a lot, um, but it is something that you, know, you, you have to take everyone's health into consideration. I mean, Eric Sugarman, the, the Vikings head trainer, he caught it. I mean, he's the athletic trainer. He should be... I mean, this shows that this virus, even those taking abundance of caution, can still get it. And, um, you know, for the Marlins, 17 players and coaches currently have symptoms. And it could derail their season. It could derail the Major League Baseball season. We just don't know at this point. Um, but certainly, uh, Major League Baseball is in for a test. We'll see what how the NBA continues to go about doing it in the bubble. But so far, it seems pretty solid, pretty locked tight. And hockey looks like they're good as well. So certainly, uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on in the world of sports and hopefully they can play on the ice they can play on the baseball diamond they can play on the court soon the football field and hopefully it happens I don't know where that list went I swear I had it and it is now gone so or maybe I just thought I saw it who the heck knows anyway the Sports Block Podcast can be found on podcast.com, also on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, link to the podcast posted roughly a few days after we record the podcast. Uh, next, though, extensive hockey talk with the qualifying round beginning. The Minnesota Wild among the eight uh, teams that are in the qualifying round. Is it eight? Regardless, not the top four seeds. They, they're already guaranteed in. Um, but this qualifying round, interesting stuff. The Wild were on the outside of the playoffs. They are now in, at least in this qualifying round, to see who they can play. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. Full days of hockey are coming up here this weekend. And we'll talk about all of that with the great Marcus Traxler from the Mitchell Daily Republic. That's coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast for this week. Pleased to be joined by my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stacking. How are you doing? Good. Normally about this time you know, of the year, we're, we're, we're done talking about the NHL. We, If I had you on, we'd be talking about you know the FIFA World Cup, something like that. Um, yeah. But COVID-19, right? Uh, it's... It's thrown a wrench in everything uh, that we do, and as a result, we get hockey in August. Uh, how excited are you for hockey in August? Yeah, it felt pretty weird. Uh, you know, we're taping this on Tuesday, and uh, NHL had their first uh, pre, you know, exhibition game this afternoon between the, the Flyers and the Penguins. And I mean, it's eighty-seven degrees outside, and you're watching hockey and. It wasn't. It wasn't completely well played, but it was a. It was a weird feeling to be watching, uh, you know, 
games that count, games that matter, uh, and we're going to be in August in, in a few days. The NHL playoffs are in, uh, they're doing it in two hub cities, both in Canada, which I think are smart, especially given the uh, catastrophe that's going on in the U.S. regarding COVID-19. In Toronto, that's where the Eastern Conference is being held, and Edmonton, where the Western Conference playoffs are being held. So uh, I think that, you know, there was a storm that brought some damage to the Edmonton Arena, but things seem to be okay, so everything hopefully should play out well when the qualifying round begins on Saturday. All right, that's the first? Yes, Saturday right, the first. Yeah. Um, so we have that to, to look forward to, and the Wild are a part of that, which is great. Now, I find myself... Uh, it will just kind of focus on the qualifying round this time around, but I find myself kind of... I don't know because with the NHL draft lottery, that the one of the teams that loses in this qualifying round will get the number one overall pick, and this Alexis Lafreniere, I believe, is uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, he is the real deal. I like he might be almost better than Sidney Crosby at the time. I mean, he's like a Connor McDavid type person, and especially with. what the the krills guy the the um the guy that the wild got from russia you know now signed under contract he's going to be over it's going to be great even though he's not playing uh in the playoffs this year it's just one of those things where it's like you know what it's great that the wild are here they're in the qualifying round but if they lost and somehow ended up with the number one overall pick i wouldn't be sad about that yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate dilemma, one that I don't think uh, Wild fans can really feel too badly either way. I think if they win, you sort of applaud the chance for, you know, a playoff win. I know it's not technically the playoffs, but uh, the NHL's kind of wrapped itself up in circles between whether this is the playoffs or not the playoffs, and, and what should we be calling this, and the stats count for the playoffs, but it's not the playoffs, you know, what, what not. Like you said, Lafreniere is a game-changing player. He's somebody the Wild really haven't had a chance to get their hands on other than Kaprizov, who we've waited four years to see, and Marion Gabrick, who they had at the beginning of the franchise. So mm-hmm. um, this would be a chance to change uh, the franchise's fortunes. I mean, you look at, I think they're, I saw the other day, they're, they're like the fourth or fifth oldest team in hockey, and for a while there, they were, of the 24 teams that are still alive, um, they were, you know, for a long time, they were among the oldest teams in the league, so uh, the chance to get a game-breaking young player would be huge. Um, they're, they're sort of at a crossroads anyway, so why not have the chance to inject a player, but um, you look at this matchup that they've got against Vancouver, it's very winnable. I mean, it's mm-hmm. hard to sit here and say, well, they've got no chance, or, or you know, they're up, up against it. They have a decent chance of beating Vancouver and getting uh, into the next round, so um, it, you wouldn't really be too heartbroken if they, if they don't find a way to win this. Right. Absolutely, and again, if and they, I, if, I do want to. I do want to pause. It is amazing that the NHL did this draft lottery. I think they did it more so because they, you know, we had this long break and they were looking for, to get something in. And they had kind of decided, look, we're not going to do the NFL or the NHL draft mm-hmm. uh, until until the playoffs are over. And I think you know, uh, you had Ottawa, and you had Detroit that had great chances of getting the number one pick yep. or getting very high picks, and neither one of them get the number one slot. It becomes this placeholder, and you have a. Now you have a second uh, draft lottery 
in some ways it's completely stupid. Why not just wait until this round has been played for and then yep. we know who's in each slot? On the other hand, there will be a tremendous amount of interest in who of the eight teams that don't win in this round are going to get that spot. So uh, I'm very excited for that. And it, it ends up kind of being it, it's half dumb, half a stroke of genius from the NHL to to have that unfold the way it did. Krenz brought that up, too, that uh, a couple weeks ago, that he thought it was dumb the way that the NHL did this. I don't really have a, a problem with it, but I will ask you this. Do you think it's a conspiracy uh, that the losing team of the qualifying event round is going to get the number one overall pick? Like, Do you think that just happened, or did the NHL have something to do? Kind of like, you know, with the NBA draft lottery, the ping-pong balls, everyone always thinks that there's, uh, you know, conspiracy and that, it's not truly fair or whatnot. Uh, do you do you think the NHL did this on purpose or is it just happenstance with the way it, the, the I th- ball I fell? I think it's happenstance. I think the teams that uh, are the placeholders, I, I think there were, I forget how many spots there were, at, you know, if there were eight, that sounds right. But each of you know, combined, they had like a 33% chance of getting it if you put all eight teams, you know, odds together. So when you look at it from that perspective, because they really are just sort of one, um, homogenous blob right now, rather mm-hmm. than the eight teams on its own, uh, one of those teams had a great chance of getting it. So, um, from a purely mathematical standpoint, this was kind of likely uh, that that it would happen. Frankly, they should be feel more fortunate that you didn't have, you know, uh, placeholders in the first spot, in the third spot, or the first three spots, or whatever it would have been. You know, and that would have been really wild. So, yeah. Um, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it, it, it ends up kind of being a stroke of luck. But, um, it, you know, in retrospect, you're like, why exactly did you do that when we probably could have waited until this was all figured out? Yep. It, it's just another added storyline to what should be a, a very intriguing qualifying uh, event or uh, qualifying round to get to the true uh, playoffs in the quarterfinals. Um, I, I'm kind of questioning, though, you know, this – the round robin that some of the teams with the higher point totals are playing are you understanding this correctly that are they playing for seeding as well like what or is this kind of just a tune-up game for them so to speak no the way i understand it is that they're going to have one game against each of the other teams in the top four so three games total and uh it's going to basically look like a world cup where there'll be you know point values or regular season points assigned to it and they'll be seeded one through four based on the points uh, that they earn. So, you know, in the East, you're looking at Boston. They were the only 100-point team uh, when the season ended. Um, they don't have the to same, do anything. They have the same chance of getting uh, the number one seed as Philadelphia, who was the number four team, and I had 89 points, 11 points behind them. Same case in the West where uh, St. Louis had 94 points. Dallas uh, had 82 when, when it was all said and done. So now... You know, you played however many games you played, 60 games, uh, or excuse me, 70 games, because I think they had about 12 left when the, when the season was called. Mm-hmm. So um, you wipe basically all that away, and you just say, all right, three games to decide uh, who it's going to be. So you've, you've got to pick up ready to play uh, when when the whistle goes this weekend. I, it's exciting, for sure. Yeah. No, no, definitely. Um, and it's going to determine... A lot in terms of the the matchups and stuff, and and we'll just go to the qualifying uh, round here. Uh, in the East, you have the Rangers against the Hurricanes. You have the Panthers against the Islanders. The Canadians against the Penguins, 
And let's see here. Who uh, who else am I missing? Leafs and Blue Jackets. Leafs and Blue Jackets, yep. Um, So, out of those matchups, what is the... We'll just start with the first one, the the Rangers and the Hurricanes. Who do you think is going to win that series? Well, I think the main storyline to watch there is that the Rangers have had kind of three goalies. They've had two other guys, and then uh, Henrik Lundqvist, who obviously is getting up there in years. Um, I'm blanking all the, on all the names. So they've got a younger guy who's been probably the sharpest this year. So it really comes down to how do they juggle that? Uh, mm-hmm. Did they do it at all in a five five game series? Do you just kind of bank on Lundqvist being the best guy because he's a veteran and, and knows what he's doing? Um, Carolina's got a little more firepower. I'd expect them to win that series. I would as well. By the way, all the qualifying event rounds are a best of five series. Uh, and then the regular playoffs will be best of seven going forward. Uh, Florida and the Islanders. So the Panthers against the Islanders. I, I tend to like the Islanders in this one, though the Panthers do have a lot of uh, talented pieces with you know on that team. But I'll take the Islanders. Who do you like? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, similar similar idea. I mean, the Islanders were, were relatively sharp throughout the year. These two teams only separated by two points during the regular season, so I'd expect this to probably be a five-game five, five game series, and I'd give the edge to the Islanders. Uh, let's see here then. The Canadians and the, the Penguins. Now, I don't know what the extent of Sidney Crosby's injury is. I know he got hurt at some point. That could be a certain uh, factor in this series, but, I mean, they're so much better than the Canadians. I mean, the... <laughs> Montreal's 31-40-9. They have no business being here, yet here they are. Anything can happen in the playoffs, as we know, but I will take the Penguins fairly confidently. They should win this in, I will, I'll say three games, but no more than four. Yeah, I agree. Uh, biggest mismatch, uh, I think, in the eight uh, qualifying round series, uh, Pittsburgh at 86 points. Montreal, I think, is only in it uh, to, get, to get the league to 24 uh, you could argue the same with Chicago, you know, giving two uh, historic teams to the NHL a little bit more, um, you know, cliche or a little bit more um, credibility to this whole operation. Um, Crosby did play in the exhibition game, but, you know, he's, he's kind of going through this thing where the NHL is not disclosing injuries. You know, before it was, it was upper body, lower body. Now it's not even that. Now it's basically like, you know, unfit to play or unfit to practice. So, yep. you know, as far as the, you know, any sort of clarity on injuries during the playoffs, that's going to be a big storyline. We're not going to know much about the status of players aside from whether or not they practiced or whether or not they played. So that's going to be a problem. But, yeah, I agree with you. This should be a short series. Pittsburgh should win. Are you okay with that designation, uh, unfit to play, unfit to practice? Because that was a collectively agreed upon um point between the players association and the league that they wouldn't disclose who has covid uh, i believe um i don't know if the nba does that but, I mean, but the nfl has said if t- players have tested positive we've heard on in baseball side you know several players you know pertaining to the marlins specifically uh so we've he- had a few of those names leaked the nhl's not doing that are you okay with the overall broad umbrella of unfit to play or unfit to practice covering both injuries and COVID. I don't love it. I certainly understand why the players fought for it. This is something they felt pretty strongly about, and I don't think the league really, you know, fought, had any reason to fight them much on it. I, I would rather just have, I, I don't, I guess in theory I'm not against the unfit to, 
to play unfit to practice designations, but I think the upper body, lower body thing should still be there if it applies. And I mean, um, you know, I, I also would just put in illness if nothing else, because that, you know, COVID-19 is that. So that would, that would at least cover that, you know, particular ball wax, but uh, they're very protective of, of trying, you know, the players are right now of medical privacy and that is something we have to take pretty seriously at this point so i understand the player side of it but you know for fans following this it's only going to lead to speculation it's not gonna you know if you have somebody who um gets injured in a non-obvious way you know where it's it's not a pocket and somebody in the shin or hitting them in the arm yep. uh fans and media and everybody's just going to wonder why is that guy out especially if you if you you know you see him one game and you don't see him the next um, that could be COVID nineteen. That could be a broken leg. Who knows? So yep. um, that's gonna be a big problem, I think. The one good piece of news is that the NHL in their last round of tests at the end of their phase three had no positive tests. So that's great news. And the NHL, I think, was widely praised initially for getting a new collective bargaining agreement done with the players and getting this, you know, ready for play thing back first. They were they were first among baseball and basketball and soccer of getting uh, something set in stone or, or put in paper um, to, to figure out a way to get the playoffs done. So in that regard, NHL has done very good, and they were widely praised for that. I feel like they haven't gotten enough um, praise or headlines um, with how they've done so well so far in these two hub cities with no positive tests and just overall the organization of everything thus far well we've seen in the nhl and the nba and mls when they've gotten uh their bubbles up and running mls obviously had their issues where they had two teams have to pull out of their their tournament but Mm -hmm. once it was up and running they've cut down and having positive cases it shows that the bubble works and you know i don't want to get too far off topic but I mean, that's a major threat that obviously baseball and football look at and, and really any college sports you know for this upcoming year so um i agree with you about the uh the labor piece you know the labor negotiations i think that was a bit of a surprise really yep. uh, that they were going for kind of the whole shebang and and looking to extend it another six years and there weren't a ton of huge changes uh to what they agree upon it's mostly an extension of what they've had i think there was a feeling that amongst you know players association that there was going to be this big labor battle and and tying it to the return to play i think cut down on a lot of that where um you had seven teams that weren't going to make the playoffs they were basically going to vote for this because um it was a chance to have labor peace they weren't going to worry about return to play and Mm -hmm. uh, that put the players behind the eight ball as far as getting this approved um so um, I think they maybe fell back into a corner, but at the end of the day, NHL's not going to have a lockout anytime soon. That's that's always a win, really. They've had, what, three uh, of them this century the, already? Uh, hockey, so. And the big, I think the biggest piece of that is that they are going to be able to play in the Olympics if they can reach an agreement with the IOC, which I, I have to imagine is going to happen because that's something that the players felt strongly about not being able to play in the Winter Olympics back in uh, 2018, so yeah, and we like to beg on Gary Bettman, but he took something that the players, you know, used to have uh, that they wanted back, mm-hmm. and he made it a bargaining chip here. I mean, that's just uh, as kind of skeevy as that seemed. It's good. It's good negotiating, and um, you know, the NHL wasn't going to skip the 2022 Olympics in in China. They wanted to be in Asia uh, yep. for the next Olympics, so it. 
it gives uh, in some ways it gives both sides what they want regard with regards to the Olympics. Now, how exactly will they bang out a deal with the IOC? That remains to be seen because the NHL I think wants money, and I don't think the IOC is going to do that. So it'll be interesting to see what they figure out on that front. Yep, but at least it's the NHL saying yes at, in agreement, at least within the CBA. Provided that a deal can get done with the IOC, the players can go over and represent their country in the Olympics, which is great, and that's what we want to see. That's when you see the best hockey uh, is in the Olympics. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just felt so empty last time yes. you know, with, with amateurs. So to have professionals there, and uh, they care quite a bit about the gold medal, so that will be great. Yes, absolutely. Final qualifying uh, round series in the East is Columbus against Toronto. Both teams had 81 points. The Blue Jackets, I thought, were going to be a terrible team this year. And somehow John Tortorella kind of got them to hang around there. Toronto was supposed to be really good, and they were awful right off the right out of the gates. John Babcock, the head coach, got fired. They have a lot of young talent, so I don't think that Toronto should have any problems with Columbus. But it's just... It's been a crazy year for both organizations, but I'll take Toronto. Yeah, I agree. I'll take Toronto. A lot of pressure on Toronto. Uh, no fans in the building, uh, but a lot of pressure on them, uh, given that they're playing in their own city and that, like you said, there are higher expectations than, than where they ended up this year. Um, you know, this this uh, the Hurricanes-Rangers series is going to be pretty evenly matched. Islanders-Florida should be pretty evenly matched. I think this will probably be the most evenly matched of, of any Eastern Conference series. So, this should be a lot of fun. I, I do like Toronto by just a little bit more, a little bit more uh, star power on their side. But like you said, Tortorella put together a great team for for Columbus, so it's hard to necessarily cross them out um, right now. I guess I haven't heard. Are they planning to have any fans at any point during the playoffs? Not from what I've gathered. I mean, you just look at the way it's set up. Um, I don't envision any fans. I mean, just because uh, you're in Edmonton and Toronto. Uh, it's hard to envision any fans, you know, through sort of the conference finals, and then there was talk of maybe having uh, the Stanley Cup final in the cities that the two teams are going to be playing in, um, and who knows where we're going to be at that at this point. But I mean, look at look at like you said, how how COVID nineteen's been managed in this country. It's it's hard to imagine fans, especially in an indoor venue, uh, taking in any of these games. So I, and I, you know. You look at the way it's structured. There's probably going to have to be a quarantine period or a big break between the conference finals and the finals just to get the two teams in the same venue, you know, for the finals. So uh, this may stretch out a lot longer than I think people would expect, just because there's going to have to be some sort of break period. I, I would guess between uh, the semifinals and the finals, just essentially. Yeah, I guess I was just even thinking like people within Canada being able to go to the games, not even like fans of the teams involved. Uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I, you know, I guess given that they have managed uh, the virus much better than we have, maybe that is something they could do. I'm, I would guess that they probably don't want to mess with something they've got going pretty well, and why risk it? Mm-hmm. Um, but hard to say. You're, you make a good point that given where these games are being played, maybe it's a little more, more realistic than, than I would guess. It would just be nice to have some fans in the stands at some point, uh, whether that be just for the Stanley Cup final itself um, or whatnot, just a few there, just to have a little bit of noise. I don't know. I think the NHL is probably going to pump in some crowd noise. Baseball's done that. Have you, have you watched? And how much baseball have you watched so far through the first week? Have you liked the 
the crowd noise that they're being pumped in uh, that they must have taken from the Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> um, I've, I've probably watched, you know, parts of like one game a day, you know, since it's gotten started, sometimes twice or two games a day. Um, I think you kind of need that din that's in the background. So I don't mind it as much, you know, after a few minutes, I don't think about it really. Um, so I don't mind it. I think, you know, what Fox has done with artificially adding fans to the stands, I think that's all kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can see each team's kind of doing their own thing. Uh, you know, teams with cutouts in the stands, you can like that, not like it. Yep. You know, the, we're, we're taping this as the Twins are playing their home opener. Twins look like they're kind of aggressive with the music, and uh, which is kind of fun. You know, why not? Because uh, it's really just players against players. Yep. And if you want to do what, what they're into, that's great. So, um, I don't mind. I don't mind the crowd noise. I don't mind. I, I think. I think just nothing would get kind of old. Yep. Um, pretty quickly. So. I think the during the Cardinals batting practice or something, they were, the Twins were playing slow jam music or, uh, over the loudspeakers. Maybe try and lull the Cardinals into a false sense of security, or just lull them to sleep. When right now, Twins are winning this game, so that's good. Yeah. There you go. On the Western Conference side in the qualifying round, the Blackhawks against the Oilers. Uh, this, I mean, the, the Blackhawks, bad team this year. They are the 12 seed. Edmonton is the, the 5 seed, if you're looking at it that way. Uh, Edmonton has Connor McDavid. I know that the, the Blackhawks have, what, Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane. Yeah, that's fine, but they really don't have anything else. Edmonton. Plus, they're playing in their home city, so pressure on them on this side of it, just like Toronto has it on the east. But I don't think Edmonton should have any problem with Chicago in this series. I'd say it goes four games at most, but Edmonton prevails. Yeah, a lot of uh, probably the sexiest matchup in the West, and you wouldn't think of that with, with Edmonton, but uh, the mcdavid Dreisaitl combo is potent, and I would expect Edmonton to win this series. Um, you know, Chicago does benefit from... It, who really knows with this long layoff, right? Yep. Guys should be relatively rested, um, so these older teams maybe are in a little bit better position. But um, I, I feel like that runs out pretty quickly. Uh, in some of these series, there's going to be games on back-to-back days, which uh, is kind of an interesting element that we wouldn't get in the normal playoffs. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I think Edmonton wins the series. I think the East has far sexier matchups than the West, because this next one, the, the Jets and the Flames, they play on Saturday. This just it seems like a barf uh, uh, series. I just don't like it. I mean, neither team's been all that great. I guess I'll take the Jets, but this is, a I think, truly a toss-up as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jets in five. Uh, Connor Hellebuck was very good uh, this season, you know, potentially – an MVP type guy, um, Calgary very deep um, this year, uh, this season. So I will take Calgary um, again. Another another series where the teams are separated by one point uh, during the year, and it was basically winning percentage by a thousandth of percent that that put Calgary in the higher seed. So uh, Calgary by by the skinniest of the skinniest of margins, <laughs> and uh, this is a series would be a lot of fun uh, if it had fans because both these fan bases are are pretty uh, wild and rowdy, and you have the All-Canada matchup, but like you said, no fans, none of that matters. Nothing says hockey in Canada like Arizona and Nashville. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'll take Nashville. Uh, Again, though, kind of a toss-up. Teams are separated by four points. 
I get like I say I'll go with Nashville uh, in five games. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, go against you again. You know, Pekka Rainey, the longtime goalkeeper for Nashville, getting older. I think he's 37. Mm-hmm. Was not particularly sharp this year. So another one where is it rust rust for him? Can he uh, can he get it going right away? If he does, I think Nashville wins. Um, you've got Arizona where uh, John Shaka left the team this week. You've got the other yeah. GM. Yeah, uh, was just a, a pretty weird story. Um, I like Arizona. They got Taylor Hall. Um, you know, he's again another player that's been close to MVP levels this season. So I will, um, I'll take Arizona. Then the matchup that we are uh, most interested by, and will have the most. Um, yeah, we're just interested. We, we, we are fans of the Wild. They are the. 10 seed, Vancouver's the 7 seed, and yet they're separated by a, a point. That's how tightly packed the um, the Western Conference was this year. The, the fact that a 7-10 matchup is decided by one point. It's just crazy. Uh, the Wild... It's, it's, it's also the reason they didn't just take the top 8. You know, Because yep. uh, Minnesota wouldn't have made it, and Vancouver was only one point ahead of them. So. Yep. Um, and they, this is the seven ten game, so yeah, exactly why they had to expand the playoffs in some form and, to and, get Minnesota in. And I am absolutely okay with that because I don't think it would have been fair to just take the top eight teams, especially with how close so many of these teams were. You know, the Wild were playing really good hockey down the stretch, uh, and some teams had played more games than the Wild. The Wild had sixty nine games completed. Some teams had, I think, seventy two. Uh, yep. Vancouver would have been one of those. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking at it here. Uh, Vancouver, they, I guess, did have 69 games in as well, but Edmonton, Vegas, Anaheim all at 71, St. Louis, Winnipeg. So a lot could have been changed by this. Uh, But looking at this series, (laughs) I don't feel... um, I feel confident that the Wild should win this series. They are, I think, a better team than Vancouver. Now, the layoff, again, is the great equalizer here because you don't know how much of the momentum um, that the Wild were playing with when the season got stopped will they be able to retain. But I look at them as being a... They, they got the star players. They have some good young talent. And, you know, of course, uh, Donato and... Um, Oh my goodness! Why, why can't I remember? Fiala, Fiala yes, Kevin well. Fiala, yeah. I mean, he's he's been he's playing like a man possessed right now. Uh, and you add to that with the veterans of uh, Suter and Prize, you know, you got Dumba who's yep. played really well. I I think the goalie situation here. I don't know what where Dubnik's head is at. I don't. I think he's going to play. Is that correct or no? I mean, he's in the mix, and yeah, yeah it's, it's really, uh, Stalock was unquestionably the team's number one goalie when yes. this uh, all ended. Uh, yep. Had a pretty solid save percentage, and the number one guy all year, in part because Dubnik had been away. Yep. Um, I think I think if all things are equal, you're probably you're probably playing Stalock. I, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they have a an exhibition game against Colorado on Wednesday, and I, uh, it sounds like both goaltenders will play, so I'd, I'd imagine the time will be split. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when Dubnik's on, he's better. I think that's probably fair to say. Yes, but, absolutely. Um, ba- based on the season you've had, I, I, you know, I think Stalock's probably earned the opportunity here. And Stalock, yeah, because of the season that he's had, probably gives the Wild the best chance to win. But, again, I'm just looking at 
the at the wild how they're constructed and granted i don't know a ton about vancouver they've certainly had a a a good year i think better than some people might have suspected but this is certainly a series that the wild can and i think probably should win yeah i mean you look at uh you know elias Pettersson, their star player was terrific this year um jt miller very good all season long as well for vancouver uh their goalkeeper jacob markstrom uh very solid. What? Roberto know. Luongo's not in Vancouver anymore? <laughs> you gotta, yeah, I mean, can you believe it? Um, yeah, last seen in Florida. Um, the uh, you know, Tyler Toffoli was a guy they traded for just before the deadline, had 10 points in 10 games before everything got stopped. So um, they have some very skilled players, you know, uh, Brock Besser as well, and, and I know he's been, he has been banged up. So um, the, uh, you know, I, I, almost agree with everything you had to say about about the wild here and they played so much better under dean evison um after he took over the interim job they gave him the full-time job and rightfully so that's the that's the right move well i think it is and i think part of it is you know who really knows what's going to happen with with uh, sports anytime soon you know hopefully they finish this season but who knows when the next season will start and then what the format of that will be so um I, I tend to agree. I think this will probably be a five-game series, and hopefully the Wild can pull it out. Um, you know, if, if some of these young guys have played as well as they did at the end, uh, the Dumbas, uh, the Fialas, the Donatos, um, they're going to be in a very good position, and it's just a matter of sort of closing the deal. Um, you've got a little bit more veteran uh, presence there. Vancouver has not been in the playoffs, I don't believe, since like 2015, so uh, there is a little bit of a newness factor to it. And, you know, if the Wild can pick up where they left off, I like their chances. And this is a rivalry series. Now, a lot of these players weren't around. Uh, they weren't around when the the Wild came back from 3-1 down. Was that back in 2003, 2004? Yeah. Uh, uh, nobody, uh, nobody left over on the roster, no, unfortunately. Nope. Uh, but, I mean, certainly these two teams have a, a storied past, you know, meeting each other in the playoffs. They're, they are rivalries, or they. Yeah. This is a rivalry series. Yeah. They are rivals to a degree. Now, again, it hasn't been that way for a while, but I think certainly that series will be brought up multiple times during this series. I think the Wild win, but again, as I mentioned at the outset, you have this star prospect that you have a chance. Now, granted, it's only a twelve and a half percent chance, but. I really think that wild fans should just be happy that they're in the playoffs, in the play in in this tournament, and we get to watch them for at least three more games. And whatever happens, happens. If they lose and they they have a chance at this great prospect, if they win, they get to move on in the playoffs. And who knows what can happen after that, based on how the round robin goes and everything. It's it's truly. Unknown, t- uncharted territory, and anything can happen in the NHL playoffs more so than any other sport when it comes to the playoffs. Absolutely, and um, you brought up you know the fact that you know, we're going to see them for at least three games. There's a very real possibility that um, you know teams are going to get swept here, and uh, you know you have all this work to play three games, and, and then you're going to be done. Um, and I think the the carrot of a twelve and a half percent chance of getting a franchise-changing player uh, will help ease the blow, and then obviously one of these teams will get him, and that mm-hmm. will make a huge difference. And I, you know, to add to what you said before, I think 
it also makes a difference that there's one of these players. You know, in some of these drafts, there's been two, or there's been, you know, three. There's just one, and that's why being the team that has the number one pick is such a huge deal this year. And the fact that it's going to be one of these teams in the qualifying round is pretty amazing. The game will be on Sunday. It, of course, it has to be the latest game possible, 9.30 yeah, yeah. Uh, p.m. Uh, what is that, Central Time? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. On uh, NBC Sports Network. I think Fox Sports North will have it, too. Uh, so I'll definitely be uh, keeping in touch with you so we can talk about the NHL playoffs as they extend through October. And then the season is scheduled to begin December 1st. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Uh, but that is right now the tentative uh, deal uh, or schedule in place right now with the NHL. Uh, before I let you go, I do want to ask you about the Miami Marlins situation and just you know, what you think of the baseball season in general and if it's going to be able to go with. right now what 17 18 players or something have te- and coaches have tested positive for the coronavirus uh with the marlins organization it is just the marlins organization no one has tested positive as of yet as of the recording of this podcast with the phillies um and no other team has had a positive test so it is truly just regarding the marlins and miami is the the city of Miami and South Florida in general is right now the epicenter of the coronavirus in the U.S. Uh, this is a big deal, and it's yeah, you can make jokes about that it is just the Marlins, but it is significant one way or the other, and it does put into question whether or not baseball can pull this off for a full sixty uh, their sixty game sprint of a season. Yeah, I think there's kind of two ways to look at this, and, and part of it is is the news that came out um, earlier before before this podcast is that um, you know one this whole season is going to be tenuous because you can't have situations like this where um, it can spread within a team. Um, the, the locker room, the clubhouse situation, the dugout. I mean, it's just you can try to social distance, but it's not it's not easy. It's not automatic. Um, everybody's kind of got this you know reflex of you know. Uh, giving each other high fives and stuff, and that's probably not helping. Um, but you know, I'm I'm reassured by what we've seen with the numbers that nobody else has gotten it, and that would seem to indicate that you know the outdoor factor of baseball and the fact that um, the teams have taken measures. You know, you've heard players that are playing say that the measures they think are are doing the right part. Now, part of this is. Um, one, there's got to be leadership at the top from Rob Manfred, and if this doesn't work out, um, Rob Manfred's probably going to get going to get fired uh, if this season does go down in flames. And it's it's not clear that I mean, you can have a 110 page protocol uh, like they they did, but it didn't seem like there was really a, a a threshold or a layout to tell the Marlins, hey, you've got three or four positive cases, you shouldn't play the Phillies, uh, yep. and they left it up to their shortstop and they played anyway, and look where they're at now. Now maybe they would have had those cases whether they played on Sunday or not, but um, it's just, you have to be able to take leadership and, and make the right decisions. And, um, you know, is Major League Baseball just going to go on without the Marlins? I have no idea. Maybe, but um, it's just, it's uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense in that regard. I think baseball can survive this because of the, you know, they're just going to have to test the bejesus out of these guys and hope uh, that they can sort of just isolate, isolate, isolate. It's, it's, uh, you can say what you will about using the resources to keep professional baseball alive concerning the issues we're having with testing at large, but yep. um, that's really the only way that, that this can 
keep going. Um, I think it's got a chance, but uh, this really, this week has been a perfect example of bubble versus no bubble, man. I mean, the bubble sports are gonna are gonna be able to do this, and with the non-bubble sports, like, you know, baseball is not a high contact sport, and I right. really like football, and it, it doesn't bode well for football. I don't right. think you know just just based on the number of guys and the contact and all that stuff. So um, I don't feel great about that, but you know. We also need to, to take some time and see where this where this goes as well. And who knows what the, what the bunch of states issuing mask mandates uh, that will certainly uh, help. Um, I I think it will hopefully help in the in yeah. uh, you know bending the curve a little bit. Uh, the the good news I get if I guess there is no good news, but you know, if the Marlins can eventually play again the one thing that baseball has is like they would be able to be a little flexible with the schedule just because the the AL East is playing the NL East you know you don't have to worry about the other divisions you don't have to worry about any other like interleague or cross-country trips or whatever so they could do some rearranging I think they are certainly looking into that um will the Marlins be able to to make up all their games well because they have a series with the nationals this weekend that that's not going to happen now if the nationals are needing two or three games to potentially make the playoffs which they're expanding to 16 so they might not but that's certainly a factor like how are you going to get all these games in or are you just going to say this is the the hand that we've been dealt and you just gotta play a certain total number that's not 60. I don't know how it's going to be, but certainly a rescheduling will be easier because the of the lack of other divisions that you'd be playing against. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm already surprised that you know, they've acted quickly, and they've got the Yankees and the Orioles playing this week to, to to try to you know get a couple games in for those teams that aren't affected right now. And and yeah, like you said, the schedule's a little bit more more workable than it normally would be. Um, I I read a tweet that said that. Uh, teams are are should be prepared for fifty seven games, fifty six games being acceptable if if uh, not everybody can complete the schedule. So that is that is something to to watch as well. And I, a lot of this does come down to the players themselves. I mean, it's you can't go out to a nightclub, you can't go out to some of these places that they'd like to go. If you're serious about finishing the season and frankly getting all your money uh, that you should be getting in, in this shortened season. Uh, there needs to be some personal responsibility as well. Don't be a Lou, don't be like Lou Williams and go to a strip club to get chicken wings. Well, he was there for wings, man. <laughs> he was. It wasn't even a Hooters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, uh, Marcus. I appreciate the time as always. Uh, like I say, uh, be uh, keeping in touch and getting you on the podcast here as the NHL playoffs go on. And hopefully, next time we talk, the Wild will still be playing, or they'll have the number one overall pick. <laughs> that's right. All right, thanks, Dak. Yep, thanks. Enjoy it, Marcus. Marcus Traxler here on the Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. A lot going on in there. We could have gone a lot further in depth with everything uh, regarding the Miami Marlins and COVID, and of course Michael Pierce, the the Vikings defensive tackle, opting out. He was their big uh, free agent acquisition to. Um, replace Linval Joseph this year and he's opting out because he has some respiratory uh, illness previously 
and that's it's fine. Anyone who opts out for health reasons, it it, it makes total sense. It's just a significant loss for the Vikings. So we and I think he's the biggest name out of the bunch thus far that has chosen to opt out. De'Anthony Thomas, the kick returner, wide receiver for Baltimore, has opted out too. I saw a Dallas Cowboy cornerback. Michael Pierce, though, I think it's Michael Pierce, right? Michael Pierce, he is the biggest name thus far uh, to say, no, I am I'm not going to do it. So, again, completely understandable. Uh, yes, Michael Pierce. That was right. You never know with me in names. Uh, so, yeah, that is significant. But baseball is going on still right now. Uh, basketball is starting up on Thursday, um, July 30th. So, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, they're doing a regular season. That's not nearly as significant um, compared to their playoffs starting. Of course, the hockey qualifying round is beginning this weekend. A lot of fun there. Uh, you can, you look at, you have hockey for days coming up here. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have five games, five, six games in in some in some instances every day here going forward. So if you love hockey, this is a great time for you. I mean, Saturday, 11 a.m., NBCSN, Rangers, Hurricanes. Then 2 p.m. on NBC, uh, Blackhawks and Oilers. 3 p.m. on NBCSN, Panthers and Islanders. Then NBC at 7, uh, NBCSN at 9.30. It just continues into Sunday, of course, and the uh, Wild are on at 9.30. Yay, that's such a late time. It's going to be a late, it's going to be a very rough morning for me on Monday. Uh, but then you have the Coyotes and the Predators at 1 p.m. on USA Network. Flyers and Bruins at 2 p.m. on NBC. Blues and Avalanche, 5.30 p.m. on uh, NBCSN. And Blues, Maple Leafs, 7 p.m. on NBCSN. So, I don't know how that works the timing i think is off a little bit on that we'll figure that out but anyway you just have hockey for days so that's great a lot of hockey to be played so definitely stay tuned for that we'll be back next week we were going to go like an every other week sort of deal here but with travis on vacation this week we'll check in with him next week we'll see what happens with the marlins nfl training camps are opening up we'll see what happens there nba will have started uh we'll know more about college football potentially a lot of uh, conferences are postponing fall sports or at least um, delaying them in setting up an all uh, conference only schedule, which makes a lot of sense. Really does. I think that's the direction we're headed in, especially pertaining to college football. So we'll see about all of that. Uh, we'll try and get Charlie on. We'll get Marcus on again. Uh, we'll get Travis. So uh, we'll be doing these podcasts at least every other week. Um, and perhaps weekly here as as we get further into it. So, um, Travis and Marcus. No, Travis isn't here. Of course not. For Marcus, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. And uh, we're going to try and do one again next week. So, you can find us on podcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at NDStackin. Uh, follow Marcus on Twitter at Marcus Traxler. Or is it MD Traxler? I know he doesn't change it. At Marcus Traxler. Yeah, it's not MD Traxler. Just 
at Marcus Traxler on Twitter. Um, you can follow the Mitchell Daily Republic on Twitter. Uh, you can check out my Facebook page, Nathan Stack, and the link to the podcast posted middle to later part of every week or once we do end up recording this. So thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Sports are back, people. Just for how long? Wear a mask. Let's help get the curve down on COVID-19 so we can have sports this year. Have a lot of sports. Have college football. Have the NFL. Have the NHL continue. NBA starting up. Have baseball have their seasons. We all have a part in this. Let's do it together. Wear a mask, and we'll talk to you next week on the Sports Block Podcast.